Well, we're continuing on in our walk through the faith path. A walk that we had started at the beginning of the year. Because many times, we know that in our walk with Christ, we should be growing and developing, right? We know that we are supposed to not only trust in Jesus for salvation and get that ticket to heaven, but but we should be growing closer to Jesus as time goes on. But for many of us, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know exactly how it is that we are supposed to be growing in our walk with God. Today we're going to begin a our next step, a little mini-series through how to spend time with Jesus. How to spend time with Jesus. And a couple weeks from now we're going to be talking, or next week we're going to talk specifically about spending time in the Word with God, understanding what God has to say to us. And then in a couple weeks we're going to speak about time in prayer, how to talk to God. I got to be honest with you guys. Um, sometimes it's difficult to be the pastor because I come up here and I've I've learned a bit about what God says in His Word. And I'm able to say what we should do. But sometimes it's hard to actually live it out. As I'm sure that every one of you can say, especially parents, there's one thing about telling your children how they should be acting with each other and then taking those principles and applying it to your own life and living by the same principles that you are communicating to them. Spending time with Jesus, I've got to admit... I I just need to be open and honest. It's a struggle with me. I look at my life. I don't know if you're able to, uh, to say this kind of fits for you in your own experience as well. I look at house projects. Whenever there is a given project that I'm going to start, there is 100% chance it's going to take longer than I expected. There is a 50 or more percent chance that after I do the project, I will have done something wrong enough that I will have to do everything over again. And then there is also a 100% chance that when I do finish a project, there's going to be another thing that needs to be done. And then there's tasks with the church, right? I'm sure that you all know it. Sometimes you feel it as well. It seems like there is a never-ending list of things that need to be done, from vacation Bible school to kids' club to trunk or treat, hunter's dinners, Christmas, Easter, running the schedule, helping to figure out a way that that we can make sure all the slots are filled and everyone's schedule is perfectly worked together, and I do that every couple months, and that's not easy. But there's all these different things that need to be done. And then, and then... In the middle of all these things, sometimes feeling like you're just trying to keep your head above water, 
Christianity comes in and says, here's another thing for you to do. Why don't you spend some time with Jesus? And when Christianity is seen by us as just another thing, a list of things to do so that we can be good enough for God to love us enough to bless us. That's hard, isn't it? Am I the only one that ever feels this way? Is there anyone else that ever feels the struggle? Well, at least there's two. Thank you. But here's the thing. There is a reason that hopefully after this message we will be able to to figure out why we do this. The question that we're going to try to address today is why do I spend time with Jesus? Why spend time with Jesus? The answer, next slide, is because time with Jesus leads to peace, to purpose, and to fruitfulness. Time with Jesus leads to peace, to purpose, and to fruitfulness. Because you see, when God wants to spend time with you, He isn't just making a demand. He isn't just coming along and saying, you would better spend time with me or else. He is saying, I have so much that I want to give you. But I can't give it to you unless you're willing and ready to accept it. So I'm going to wait until you spend some time to get to know me, to get to trust me, so that we can, I can bless you this way that I want to. This is what God wants for us. This is why we spend this time with Jesus. We're going to take a look at three texts to help us see each of these three points so that we can spend more time with Jesus. Not because we have to, but because we want to. The first verse I want to read comes from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. We have verse 6 actually right up here behind us. And it tells us, don't be anxious about... I'm sorry, what's that word? Don't be anxious about everything? Don't be anxious about anything. Thank you. In some situations... In every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this church that Paul was writing to, the the church of the city of Philippi, was founded by Paul in his travels. And it was during these travels, as he was working to found this church, that Paul actually had to leave the city. He actually got jailed for a time. That's where he converted the the Philippian jailer. You can find the story of that in the book of Acts. He continued on, and he was ministering to a number of different churches. 
when at one point he got in trouble in the middle of his ministry. Specifically, he was arrested for preaching about Jesus. And as he was arrested, possibly to be executed, the Philippian church got wind of this and they said, we want to help you, Paul. And so they sent a gift to him, uh, some sort of help and assistance. And Paul wanted them to know that he had peace that surpassed circumstances. Even though they were helping him and he was very thankful for it, he also wanted them to know, even in the middle of this, even if you had not sent me this help, I have access to a peace that surpasses all understanding. And he says, just as you have blessed me, I want to bless you by telling you the secret sauce of how to get that peace beyond understanding yourself. And that secret sauce, that secret recipe, is consistent time with Jesus. Consistent time with Jesus. Placing every situation that you come to before Jesus in trust. Let me put it this way. I don't know cars. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I know that most of you do. I, this is probably something where I turn in my Uper card, except I've been here for, for not forever. And so I, I understand everyone else does and I don't. This is, makes me an oddity. But I don't know cars. And when I'm driving along the road and my car starts to creak and moan and groan and shudder, I don't know what's going on. And when my car starts to make these noises, I have two choices, right? Choice number one is I continue driving with absolutely no idea how long my car has before it's going to end up on the side of the road. Or choice two, I can take the car to a trusted mechanic, someone who knows what to do with this. And when I take that car, every time I take that car to, uh, to, I like the guy, North Country Auto and Perkins, he's, he's pretty great. I think he's full up, so, so you guys have to find, you know, whatever guy you like the best. When I take it to him, I have peace regarding my vehicle because I know he's able to handle what I cannot. In the same way, Time with Jesus refocuses us in the middle of our struggles. Jesus does not just want for you once a day to discipline, say, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with you, check that box off on my daily to-do list and say, I'm done with you, Jesus, until tomorrow morning at whatever time that I'm going to do. Jesus wants us to take a step back whenever you are in the middle of a struggle. Whenever you're in the middle of a conflict, whenever you're in the middle of a fear or anxiety and say, Jesus, you can handle this, can't you? You're powerful, aren't you? You love me, don't you? Help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then step right back in. This time, though, with a different mindset, a mindset of trust that Jesus cares for you. This is something, one way we can spend time with Jesus that oftentimes we need to do much more. Time with Jesus leads to peace.
Time with Jesus also leads to purpose. Mark chapter 13, or chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, Jesus says, Now Jesus went up to a mountain and called for those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he called the apostles, or the sent ones, so that they would be with him, and he could send them to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. As you can probably tell just by the verse, this is from early on in Jesus' ministry, before he really started collecting the crowds, before he did most of his miracles, long before he had died and risen again. This is at the beginning when Jesus had started to gather a following, and out of these people, he said, I have picked you for two purposes. To send you so that you could preach and have authority to cast demons and also to be with him. But notice, if you will, which comes first. What comes first in this is that Jesus, before he wants to send them out, he says, I have chosen you so that you can be with me. I have chosen you to be with me. We may think that what God really wants from you and from me is all of the things that we can do for Him. But that's not true. That He does want us to to serve Him, to spread news about Him. But before any of that, you need to spend time with Jesus. You need to spend time just being with Him. Why? Let me put it this way. If I'm applying for a job, there are various things that I'm going to have to put on my resume, my application form, right? I'm going to have to write out my qualifications for why I'm the very best person in the world, highlighting all my best qualities and ignoring all of my worst, right? That's what we do on our applications. You also put down your education, what school you've gone to. You put down your previous work experience. And then after all of that, right at the very bottom, there's a couple different lines where you need to put what? Anyone? What do you put on your bottom of your application for a job? References. Yes. References. And oftentimes, when you put in a reference and you say, here's a name and here's a phone number, you also need to say what kind of a relationship you have with this person whose name you just put down. Because your possible employer doesn't want you to just find a random person on the street, give them a 20, and say, here, say these good things about me. Right? They want... To, find, to talk to someone who actually knows you, who actually is able to say something about you because they know who you are. You and I may not be called to the size and scope of ministry that the apostles had. But in your life and in mine, the principle remains. Each of us has friends and family who do not 
know Jesus. Each of us has friends and family who do not know Jesus, who will listen to you years before they would listen to a pastor. Am I right? Is that, is that true or am I just making a mistaken assumption? Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> you are Jesus' references to the world. And you know what? If you want to be able to speak to someone else and say with authenticity, Say, truly, I can tell you, Jesus changes lives. The best way for you to do that is to say, Jesus changed my life. Jesus gave me peace. He gave me hope. He helped me. And the only way that that really can happen is if you spend time with Jesus. Time with Jesus leads to peace. Time with Jesus also leads to purpose. It helps us to know Him well enough to share Him with others. And finally, time with Jesus leads to fruitfulness. See if this works. Yay! We saw Mark chapter 3, Jesus' beginning of His ministry with the disciples. And now in John 15, we see Jesus at the very end of his time with them, right before he gets arrested and crucified. And among Jesus' famous final last words, he says to them, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that doesn't bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so it will bear more fruit. You're, you disciples, all except for Judas who had already left, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Now, I want to look here. And, and I want us to take, take a look on that second line where it says, He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. When we, what we have, when we hold our English Bibles in our hands, physical Bibles or on the phone, what we have is not the original words, right? These, this is written in English. But the people who spoke this, the people who wrote this, didn't originally write in English 2,000 years ago. They wrote in a different language. They wrote in Greek. And for anyone that has ever tried to learn a different language and become fluent in it, then you would know that there isn't an exact one-to-one understanding. Sometimes a word has a range of meaning, and you just have to pick the best understanding that you're able to go with. The translators of your Bibles worked incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. But sometimes, I think that the choices they were made was the wrong choice between those multiple options. And I think that's what happened here. I'm going to tell you why. In this passage, what do we see here? 
we see Jesus presented as the vine and the Father presented as the vine dresser, the gardener. And they have one goal, right? Bearing fruit, right? This is their goal. They say, I have the vine. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener. And all the believers are the branches. And Jesus and the Father want fruit. They want something to happen through their connection to Jesus, our connection to Jesus. And so what this passage shows us is how the gardener father cares for branches in order to increase fruitfulness. And we see on the third line that whenever there's a branch that bears fruit, what he'll do is he will prune it. Because that branch is currently trying to create the fruit, the grapes, but it's also trying to make leaves and new branches and sprigs. And a gardener will come off and he will cut off almost all of the leaves and he will cut off almost all the sprigs. Why? So that all of the juice flowing from the vine, central vine, will flow through the branch and go straight into making the very best fruit possible. But what happens to a branch that is not bearing fruit? Well, this would be common knowledge back then. If you have a branch, four to five foot long branch on a vine, that is not bearing fruit, that branch represents several years of growth. And someone who is wanting to make as much grapes as possible will not just say, I guess it's not bearing fruit, let's just cut off an entire branch. Instead, what they knew was if a branch is down on the ground where it can't air out from the mil- the, the, the dew that comes each morning, then it won't produce fruit as much. It just stays too wet to be able to do that. So what a gardener would do is he would take this branch that was down on the ground and he would lift it up and place it either onto a trellis, tie it on, or he would place it onto some flat rocks so it could dry out. And what would happen is this branch that had not been producing any fruit would now start to produce the grapes that it needed to. The word that we have on the second line, he takes away, comes from the Greek word iro, which means to lift up. And it could mean to lift up and take away, but here I think the gardening the gardeners would know it means to lift up, to care for specially. I think this matters for you and for me. Because this tells us that what the Father does for you is when you are producing fruit in your life, when you are being active and, and you are trying to make effort and things are happening, people are being blessed, God will do what He needs to do in order to help you to do even more to equip you. And sometimes that will mean that he will take away some things and say, you know what, this thing really doesn't matter as much as you thought it does. Or maybe you can take this thing and use this for God's glory. He will do that. But I love here, I love that what a gardener does for you and for me, if you are looking at your Christian life and you're saying, I just feel drained. I feel like nothing is going on and I'm trying and nothing is happening. You don't need to worry that the Father is going to say, because you're not producing fruit, He's going to cut you off and get rid of you. He will say, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to lift you up to a place of safety. I'm going to be there for you. 
so that you can be encouraged. That's what the Father does. But Jesus, Jesus then turns around and He describes what we need to do in order to bear fruit. He says, all you need to do is abide in Me by remaining in My Word and obeying My commands. That's what Jesus says. When we spend time with Jesus, not just to read a book and say, well, that's interesting, let me forget about that for the rest of the day, but we take what we learn and we do something with it, trust it and live it out in our lives. He says, as you do that, the Father will go to work. He will go to work in your life, carefully lifting you up in your struggles and pruning away what keeps you from bearing more fruit. The problem of the world, the problem of the world is not just doing wrong. The problem that the world has is not just that bad people do bad things, which they do. The real problem of the world is that people try to live their best life apart from Jesus. That is what's wrong with the world. People trying to do what is right in their own eyes apart from Jesus. That is why the world falls apart. And when he says, trust me, Obey me. He is not saying, do what I say because otherwise I'm going to stomp you down to the ground. He says, do what I say because I'm the source of life. And when you cut yourself off from me, you cut yourself off from life and from peace and from hope. He says, spend time with me. Spend time with me. And you will know, Jesus says, my love. You will feel my joy over you and your joy will grow and be complete. Time with Jesus helps us to know his love, feel his joy over us and complete our own joy. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, I have come that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we believers have a a new identity, a new life, a new destiny, entirely freely given to you from the very moment that you trusted that he gave it to you. But Jesus didn't just come for you to have life that lasts forever. He came for you to have abundant life, abundant life. And that abundant experience of life isn't either automatic, it doesn't just come with time. You don't just get to say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, therefore I'm a mature Christian. That doesn't happen. And you don't get to say, I'm going to grow through grit and self-determination. You can make yourself become incredibly obedient looking of a person and still have an emptiness in your soul because you are trying to grow through your own effort to please God rather than than growing because you're learning to trust in God's love for you. There is a huge difference between the two. And we don't gain the experience, the abundant life, either through automatic passiveness or through grit and self-effort to force it. We're going to learn over the next couple weeks how to spend more time with Jesus. Time with Him. 
that will help us to love and trust Him, not just with our mind, but with our whole life. Because you see, spending time with Jesus is something that I need to also preach, by the way, to myself. Spending time with Jesus is nothing less and nothing more than taking the time to better understand Him. Let me see if it's up here. Here we go. Spending time with Jesus is nothing less and nothing more than taking time to better understand Him so that we can better trust Him and live like what He says is true so that we can better experience and enjoy His love. That is what the experience of the abundant life is that Jesus offers. I ask you, I beg you, find your own way to remind yourself to spend time with Jesus. Maybe it means setting aside a regular morning or an evening, whichever, by the way, you are more alert, less, not less alert. Maybe it means putting a post-it note on your bathroom mirror or on your computer or tying a string to your finger. I don't know. I don't really care. But find a way to actively, consistently remind yourself to spend regular time with God. And as you do, God promises you. God promises you that He will accomplish His work in you. In you and through you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are are not one who has come to us telling us that there's a whole bunch of things that we have to do in order to make you consider loving us, blessing us, spending time with us. No, Jesus, you came to us and you said, I do love you. And I have so much I want to give to you, but I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm going to wait until you know me and trust me enough to let me bless you. Jesus, help us to remember to spend time with you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.